listening to episode 84 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Thursday, August 3rd. So it's been a summer. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a summer of deadlines and busyness and And video games. On my part, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we had we we took a little bit of a hiatus to deal with some Help yeah, stuff. I had a, for those who don't follow me on Twitter or don't know, I had a retinal detachment, so I was out. Like, I didn't look at a computer screen for like eight weeks. It mm. was intense. Huh, but um, you're okay. I'm okay. Full vision. Everything's good. Um, we'll have COVID, so not everything's good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been like, kind of a whammy. It's um, like the most 2023 sentence. <laughs> I know. Like, well, I had a retinal detachment, and now I have COVID, but everything's great. <laughs> I'm still working. No, I'm not. Guys, I'm not working. Do not send me like like angry Twitter messages about how I need resting. Rest. Trust me, I am resting a lot. Like, do not want this to turn into long. Sometimes is in her pajamas right now. I am Don't worry. literally in my pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. It's like this is how we get through. The, this is it. The the world as it exists. It's like the thing where it's like I'm having a kidney transplant, but I'll be back at work tomorrow morning. <laughs> The day I remember, I just remember the day I went in for my surgery a couple years ago when I had to have emergency surgery. That day I did an interview for a for, for us that sci fi podcast. Oh like my literally, God. I did the interview and I just remember being like, I just got to get through it and then went to the hospital. Oh my God. America. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I think we will start off with like the big stuff. Um, Obviously, there is a strike happening right now. Both the the SAG-AFTRA and WGA are on strike. And so in solidarity, and because we both have pretty close ties to those unions, um, whether it's family or friends, we won't be doing any coverage of stuff by struck companies or any of their work that would impact members of SAG-AFTRA or the WGA. Um, So what can we talk about? We could talk about video games and books and comics and podcasts and animation. And that's what we're going to do. Very, very excited. There's still a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, And I want to seg straight into um, the Star Trek Prodigy news that dropped a few weeks ago, which was just like real like cold water in the face. Um... The first season of Star Trek Prodigy has been removed from streaming and um, the second season will not air on a streaming network and it's up for sale currently the first and second season. Um, We haven't really gotten any updates on it and what's going to happen. Thankfully, at least uh, both both, um, halves of the first season are now available on Blu-ray. For a while there, the first half was available, but the second half was not. And it wasn't clear if it was going to even come out. And so it was possible that like it was just going to disappear. And um, I should also add that the second season is done. Like it's done. They're just not airing it. And so this is, I mean, this is exactly what people are striking about. This is mm-hmm. exact, these, the exact studio shenanigans. So anyway, um, I just wanted to highlight that if you haven't watched the show and been meaning to, this would be a great time to buy the Blu-ray, um, buy the first uh, two, the, the two Blu-rays, um, episodes one through 10 and 11 through 20. It's a great time to buy those to show your support and show how much demand the show has. Because I think this is one that people have been sleeping on because it's kind of been like, oh, it's on streaming. I'll get to it later. Yeah. Well, it's not on streaming anymore. And if we want to see the second <sighs> season, um, 
we need it needs to, you know to entice someone to buy it i think it'll get sold it's star trek it's a pretty popular property um and the service it was on did not treat it very well and so all of that is to say if you're interested and you've, you've been thinking about it pick up those blu-rays and give it a watch and you know it's a good show yeah i'm gonna quickly pick it back and aside they are also removing over the garden wall from streaming at the oh it might be gone now it's either at the end of this month or was at the end of july i don't remember um but highly recommend picking up the complete series for that which you can find on on dvd basically anywhere until before they like take it away from us forever i think this has all been a wake up call to buy what you like yeah on physical media whenever possible because it might not you know i think i think it really i think this is really showing you know the limitations of the cloud perhaps yes Something that did a very good, like, yes, good look right then. I'm irritated. <laughs> um, so, to talk a little bit about video, uh, uh, more, I'm going to talk about a couple more things, more Star Trek things. The video game Star Trek Resurgence came out um, a couple of months ago in May, and I covered it for NPR, but um, I just wanted to give it a shout out because uh, this game is really, really good. It feels like playing an episode of The Next Generation. To be frank, it's a little clunky. There's some bugs that hopefully have been ironed out by now, but just like eh, some issues. But like the gameplay, the voice work, the it's just it's a really, really, really good game. It feels like playing an episode. Like a lot of us have been like kind of clamoring for a like real like Star Trek game that feels like an episode of Star Trek. It feels like the people understand the universe, and that is this. Like the ties within the universe, within the franchise, within the canon are deep. And it really just feels like you are playing an episode. So is it and is it like an RPG? No, so it's no, no, so it's like a it's weird. It's like a it's like it's not open world. It is like very story you know, like the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Yeah. So it's very like strict storyline like that. And you play as two different characters, the first off the new first officer of a starship and an engineer, and you have to um, make decisions basically Ooh. that determine whether the crew respects you, whether your fellow officers respect oh, you. Goodness. <laughs> um, negotiate like, and, and these are often timed things. So you just kind of have to like, like, and it's kind of like if you were on the bridge of a starship, what would you decide? And you know, you always think that and you're like, oh, I'd make the best decision, but it's hard it's because like, you're would like you? <laughs> weighing somebody's life against someone else. And you have to like get the crew loyal to you. And like, it's like, it's really good. It's really well done. And it's very much, there's like basically zero combat. It's all just like bashing buttons when there is. So it's not you know, it's all right. not hard. And it's on every um, like what consoles? Yeah, it's on pretty much everything. Cool. PC, PlayStation, Xbox. I don't think it's on the Switch. Well, that yeah, that I yeah. guess is not. But it might surprising. be. And it might actually be. It's um, but it's a good game. I really enjoyed it. Um sorry, I had to take a sip of my water so I didn't burst out into COVID cough. Um, <laughs> and then one more thing I wanted to talk about this week on um, basically wherever you get your audiobooks. So Libro FM is a really good audiobook source. If you were looking for an alternative to Amazon, um, Libro FM, you can support your local independent bookstore. But Star Trek A Stitch in Time came out, which if you're familiar with the Star Trek books, this is Garrick's memoir, who is the Cardassian tailor. And he, uh, he, 
uh, it's narrated by Andy Robinson, who played Garrett. Oh, that's fun. And he wrote the book back in the day because he's like so into this character and like knows his character better than anybody else. So he wrote this memoir. And now because like of the resurgence of popularity, uh, he has now recorded an audiobook. So anyway, if you're interested and you want to support him, that's fun. That's yeah. Cute. I, 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 I'm super. I'm super excited, and it's kind of like under the radar. But I bought it, and I'm really looking forward to it. To listening to it on a trip. Um. So that's sort of like our news and mm-hmm. and what's what's going on, what's been happening. Um. The big thing I think that was happening and is happening and will continue to happen for both of us is Tears of the Kingdom, oh of course. <laughs> the last episode we did was with my sister, Hero, where we went through, like, theories, what we thought might be coming. She kind of gave us a big history of Legend of Zelda and how it could impact. I do want to have Hero back on, actually, now that the game has been out for a couple months and can kind of speak to what her thoughts were then and what her thoughts are now. Yes. Um, I finished it. You are in the midst of playing it. Yes, I have finished the regional phenomena. It was where I am in the main story. And I've also finished all of the geoglyphs. Um, And that's all I'm going to say because I don't want this to be spoilery. Or are we going to get spoilery? I think we can get it. I mean, the game's been out now since May 12th. So So we'll get spoilery to where I am. Yes. So if you have not finished the geoglyphs or the regional phenomena, then um, some stuff, we might talk about some spoilers. Yeah, we'll put timestamps in the episode for when we start talking about spoilers and when we we stop. Yeah. Yeah. how are you feeling about this game? I love it. <laughs> oh my yes. god. I was just I mean, you know that. I've been texting Preeti like and it's funny because like there have been a lot of days because of um because I've been sick that I've been taking off and just like playing during the day and I'm like pelting Preeti with like, "Okay, what do you do? What do you do? What is this? What is this? Do you have any ideas about this?" And I know she's working. But, <laughs> but she's I love always it. like immediately like, "Okay, so" <laughs> Listen, I I said that this game is bringing me back to my weeb era. Like, I've changed my phone background to a picture of Link about to shoot his bow. It is, and usually, like, usually my background's like a really pretty tree or something. <laughs> and it's because it's so, I, I think I put, and I'm still playing, I beat the game, but I am still like, now I'm like upgrading my armor and like just running around because it's such a delightful experience. Yeah. But I think I've done like over 300 hours mm-hmm. in this, which Breath of the Wild, my last playthrough, which I will admit I didn't, the only thing I didn't do was the final castle and, and fighting Ganon. Um, I was at 170 hours, I think, mm-hmm. in that game. This game's so big. It's so that's big. And that's a thing you and I have talked about a lot because like I like kind of put off doing some of the regional phenomena because I was like, I don't want the game to end too fast i want to do some of the side stuff but then i realized there's a lot of you get the cool powers doing the regional phenomena that um that can help you while you're exploring so i was like okay i'm just gonna do that and then i'm gonna cut it and then so but then i texted you and i was like okay so i finished the regional phenomena and you're like okay there's still a lot long way to go and i was like wait what because at breath of the wild that was it yeah did the four you know the four I can't remember the, what they're called now, but you did the four um, divine beasts, divine beasts, and then um, you went to the castle. That yeah. was it. That was the yeah. story. 
this game, I mean, between not just like the levels where you have like it's expanded, you know, vertically immensely in terms of just literal land to cover with the depths and Hyrule in the sky, there really it does feel like genuinely a bigger game narrative wise Mm -hmm. when you have like the geoglyphs that you're hunting down to see what's what the story is. My one my one I have like a few like nitpicky things because I like the game so much. The geoglyphs, I really wish they had given you a genuine, like, we recommend you find them in this order because because I found it. If you found one of them really early, you get the kind of spoil. I didn't, but like, yeah. Oh, I found it's disorienting. I think it's difficult to like, you'd have to then, after you got all of them, go back and rewatch them in order Mm -hmm. to kind of see what the story was. Because I think the first one, other than the one you find with Impa where she tells you about them, the first one I found was like this terrifying Ganondorf one that's in like mm-hmm. the Tabantha field. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God, what is happening to my yeah. poor princess? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, there are these like teeny tiny little nitpicky things, but overall I think the game ha- has done such a, an innovative, like thoughtful way to approach both the story and inviting new Zelda mechanics, mm-hmm. but aren't so divorced from what we did that it was like impossible to parse through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, and as somebody who's like newer to Zelda, like I'm like not newer, like I've played a bunch of the games, but I'm not super, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I'm not super into the lore. I don't mm-hmm. know a lot about it, but like, I don't know. I am like, I'm just continually, like, I get these waves of, like, overwhelm, and not in a bad way, but, like, of how much there is still mm-hmm. to do. And I've been playing for probably, like, 100 hours at this point. There's so and much. And there's still so much to do. And it's, like, it's one of the biggest critiques of Breath of the Wild was actually the story, because mm-hmm. it was, but for the purposes of, like, putting you in the place of Link, and, and you know, he didn't have his memories, so it was, it's pretty gameplay and this new way of looking at Zelda forward and the narrative mm-hmm. was like a little secondary to that. Yeah. And I think they really heard that. And so the narrative and the gameplay feel much more in line with one another in this yeah. game, meaning the narrative had to be bigger because the yes. game is so much bigger. Yes. And I think you also see here the benefit um, just like from I'm, I'm, as I've been covering video games more, I've been becoming more interested in game design and game mm-hmm. development. And you can really see the benefit of having a map already established, having a land yeah. already established, not having to create all that from scratch and how much they were able to add because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Like, versus if they've had to make Hyrule from scratch, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have been able to give us as much gameplay, as much detail, as much all, all of that. Yeah, it's fascinating. I am hoping that I'm I'm assuming they're going to re- release a DLC. I think it would be bananas if they didn't release a yeah. DLC. They had two for Breath of the Wild. I'm hoping that within whatever DLCs they do, they really focus what at least some of it will really focus on the depths mm-hmm. and what the depths have. Like at first I will say I've like <laughs> I was terrified. <laughs> going underground i was like i'm not doing it i focused my whole gameplay strategy at the beginning was like open up the map get as many hearts as you possibly can like that was the thing and armor because i was like i don't want to die a billion times yeah although 
One of my favorite things to come out of this game are the montages of the most hilarious ways that Link can die. Yeah. Because it's there was one I was like on this island and it was storming like lightning storm and I was on a wooden plank that was just needing to skate along a rail uh, and there was a fan attached to the back and I went to <laughs> hit the fan to turn it off but I broke the wooden plank and I just fell to my death. <laughs> It's like the the developers are like, how can we make Link deaths just like pure comedy? Yep. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, um, I I just I think it's I I do um hope they do a DLC as well. I liked the depths a lot. I went down there early because um I don't remember why exactly I went down there. I think I was doing that initial mission. With oh, Robbie, where you have to find Robbie, and then I was like, you know, I'm just gonna keep. Poking around. So, so scary. See, I don't find it that scary. I find it quite. Oh my god! Because I feel like anything, as long as you're like lighting stuff up, and also like I've I've learned to like you know take the glow take a glow potion so like I can mm. you know all of that. But like anything, I don't find it that scary because anything you can you can kind of see stuff coming, like because it's all glowing. But the, like, they're so. so scary. I was just when I did that first Robbie thing, I was so hesitant, and I had him just like crawling over things. Any way to avoid having to deal with those like the depths monsters because I didn't know what they did, and yeah. I didn't want to, and I had like five hearts and like some garbage yeah. armor that protected me not at all. <laughs> I didn't don't think I felt comfortable in the game till I got to about 15 hearts. Yeah. They and do they do yeah. <laughs> I think I'm at like 21 now and I'm like I feel okay but I would like to get to like 30 and then I'll feel good. <laughs> right? In that moment in the beginning um when he's with Zelda and he they get attacked by Ganon um <laughs> And all the hearts go away. I was like, no. I worked so hard for those. <laughs> Nintendo you was like, I understand what I did for I that. They were like, you wish. I know. <laughs> I just love everything about it. I think that I it's such, like, I, Breath of the Wild is obviously, like, an incredible game. But this, to me, was such a step up in so yes. many ways i agree it's like just i was not sure about this game from what i heard about it going in but i was like i'll give it a try and if i don't like it like whatever but like it is it's a game that it has really i was worried about the crafting stuff because generally speaking i don't like crafting in games like i don't mm -hmm. like building stuff i don't like that i think they a, they have, there are very few times where I've been super frustrated by the crafting mm -hmm. because you can almost always get, a, if you don't really want yeah, to craft, you can 100%. almost always get around it. There's no like one way to solve something like, nope. the, like, like, like there have definitely been times when I'm like, I am just going to carry this Korok instead of uh, like building, building a, the, the, the truck. I, I see the truck. <laughs> I see your pieces, but I'm not I'm doing carry it. Him. Which, to be fair, the steering stick that you told me about, which I did it fine until pretty late, I feel like in the game, uh, makes all of that a lot easier. Yeah, but it, you're to your point, like I can't tell you how many times I'll be in a shrine, and I know there's a way to solve it, but I'm like, I'm gonna make a big stick. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna make a big stick, and like it works eight times out of ten, it gets me there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Because same, like I see, I, I mean, I do love, now that I finished the game, I'm like, uh, not worried about spoilers or anything so i'm seeing all these like um tiktok videos of what people are using the game physics and uh engineering to make is yeah genuinely incredible like yeah. i can't there were there's like a team of physicists who have been t- working together to create these machines in the world to see what they can build, like what kind of planes they can build and what kind of rockets. And it's just amazing. Yeah. And and I'm like, I can't do that. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) But no, I just, I love the, and I love the creativity. Like you can be as creative as you want to be or not. Yeah. Like I think the thing, the not is the part of it. I really appreciate because like it's a game that, a lot of people want to play and you don't have to play it any specific way. Right. It doesn't need sort of what's interesting is it doesn't need easy, difficult, hard yeah. because the game allows for you to play it as like on a diff- If you want to play it on a quote difficult setting, you can. Yes. And if you want to play it on like a quote easy setting, you can. Exactly. Which Just is amazing. Run away from the monsters. And there's other ways. Like one of the things, the problems I was having at the beginning was like, okay, I want to fight the monsters to get the better armor, but I don't have enough parts. But there are other ways to get good armor. There's yes. other ways. You know what I mean? Like there's that's not the only way to do it. So like the game presents you with other options. Mm-hmm. Like there's decent weapons that look out landing. You can like talk to people to find armor and like stuff like that. And you just start start a start of you sort of start building yourself up until you get to a point where you're really comfortable going and just being like, all right, I'm going to go. Yeah. I need some arrows. So I'm going to go fight some monsters. Like, I don't know. I just, I'm, I, I'm continually blown away mm-hmm. by just this game. And I'm like genuinely like sad that this, I don't think they'll do another sequel. No, I agree. I agree. I, think- I just, I think it's done and like I'm genuinely sad because it's such a good world it's so well done and we know it so well now like there's a comfort I think in like like in a sequel I've thought a lot about as I've been playing about the comfort of playing a sequel and knowing the map Mm -hmm. and knowing where things are and like kind of having an idea of like where to find like it's just it's it's really nice I really love that no, it is. But what's nice about Zelda in particular is even when they move on from something that is like wildly acclaimed or did really well, the next game, regardless of how much of a departure it is, because it generally is a departure because they try yeah. something different or they try something new, it's also amazing. Yeah. Like if you think about how they went from um, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask to something like Wind Waker. Yes, Wind right? Waker was really good. It's so good and it's like vastly different. And then from Wind Waker to Twilight Princess, which was this like dark, edgy, just like very detailed story. Mm-hmm. But there are these like vastness of, or uniqueness, I should say, to their approach every time, which allowed us to get to Breath of the Wild. So, yeah. yeah giving that sort of team the room to not stay married to what they've created has allowed for like really innovative and interesting, like innovative and interesting gameplay that like, I agree with you. I'm sad sort of like, because we love this so much and it's so good. But if there's one thing that this team has proven is that they can continue to create incredible work that is, inspired by but also fully unique from the things that came before it yes 
Agreed. So good. It's It's just so good. It is. (laughs) It is. Um, Okay. Uh, Is there anything else we want to say for Zelda stuff, for for Tears of the Kingdom? Um, I don't think so. I mean, he's so cute in his little armor. He's so cute. And Zelda moved into his house? Yeah. They (laughs) headcanon. Yes. Fully, fully believe that it's their house. I know, I know the other things, so don't say anything. But that is my headcanon. Wait, what's the other thing? Well, you'll you haven't gotten there yet. Okay, okay. so I won't say anything. Oh, okay, that's a spoiler. Okay. Um, but okay, yes. so I don't think we actually had any spoilers though. For we were pretty good. Yeah. Do we need a? Maybe I we don't, don't think... need it. Actually, okay, so we might not. We probably won't. Because we were pretty vague. Yeah, we were actually very vague. We didn't go into detail. So. <laughs> um, but I will see about having Hero back on to talk yes, about. Yes, I would love that. And I would love to be there since mm-hmm, my eye is no longer broken. Yeah, when you are done with the game, and she's actually not done with the game either because she is like oh, okay. really taking her time. I have I'm a like... feeling I'm going to take my time. It might be a while because like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like now I'm like upgrading my armor. I'm like, okay, I've got to find some blue nightshade. <laughs> find some blue nightshade like like that that's where i'm at now and so like i have a feeling i'll be playing it for a while and then um i'll talk about this in the what we're doing or what we're into part but like i'm gonna have to stop for a while to play a different game so i'm gonna then i've got to come back to it so um, <laughs> um but next we are going to talk about something that's very exciting because you have a project that's coming out next <laughs> week which i cannot I believe i know i can't believe it's coming okay, out tell everybody about the book what it's called my book is called stargazing contemplate the cosmos to find inner peace and it's kind of this little it's just like a little pocket book um and it is a it's a, just this like cute little book um that is about it's it's kind of using the night sky to connect with yourself to find like kind of a you know calmness and kind of like a wellness type thing but it's also like because I wrote it and because I'm a science writer I wanted to like really pack a lot of information in there so I feel like there's a lot of information a lot of science a lot of like history and stuff like that and I wanted to make it this book where you would read it and you'd feel kind of at peace like a little more at peace a little more connected to yourself and the world around you but also like hey I learned something uh well I read it in the past couple of days, um, because I'm I'm friends with the author, so I Hello. got a copy, uh, <laughs> and it really is like I am not a space person, as as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, uh, or a science person, but there's something so comforting and thoughtful about the combination of approach to the science side and the emotional side of connecting to the night sky like you handle both pieces of it in a really wonderful interwoven kind of way because you can't really disconnect the two Mm. right like yes we have an emotional reaction to sort of the unlimitlessness of the galaxy yes and our place in it but there is very real active pieces to what that means and you bring them together so well so the book is broken up into three parts the history of stargazing, understanding the night sky, and 17 constellations to look for. Mm-hmm. When you were approaching how to write this book, I guess, like, where did you start? 
Oh, that's a good question. So um, this is part of a series that's called the Pocket Nature Series from my publisher, Chronicle. So my editor sent me a bunch of um, um, a bunch of the other books in the series for me to get a sense of what other people had done. But she was very clear there was no there was no like guidelines, no restrictions, no like I could do it how I want it, but here are the how the other people did it. Um so that was where I kind of started from and I looked at how people you know how people approached their subject and I you know, I knew that they, this was a, um, this was a publisher idea. I did not bring this to a publisher. The publisher came to me, but they picked a science writer. They picked a science mm-hmm. and space. They did not pick a mental health expert. They did not pick a, you know, they, they did not pick a, like, you know, somebody who is, you know, renowned for knowing about meditation. They picked a science person. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to ground it in science, and so that's like the that's the approach I took and I wanted every piece of it to be grounded in science and history because I didn't want it to feel like woo woo I wanted it to feel very like 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 centered mm-hmm. and with the hope that reading something that felt centered would make you feel centered I think that's genuinely I believe that's what you accomplished because while reading sort of about you know the reality of why the moon looks like it has phases like even though it's not cut off it's just the piece of the reflection we're seeing Mm -hmm. there's still like attaching it to the ways various cultures approach that same sort of thing and how it impacts them practically but also from a sort of cultural and mythological perspective Mm-hmm. And bringing all those pieces together where you see that even in, you know, these ancient cultures or these approaches that people had to the sky as sort of folklore as they were, there was a real science behind them then, too, which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. What was one of your, like, favorite things that you learned while oh you God, were? I learned so much <laughs> researching this book oh my god like I didn't I knew vague things about how like oh island, Pacific Islander cultures used the star but I had no idea like how much the Maori really did it made me really want to like study like like there's some like you know groups that like are studying the Maori and how their how their celestial navigation and how they use the stars I think that's fascinating I think there's I had no idea how you know i think one of the coolest things i learned was um the that the incas when when they um when like when they looked at the sky it wasn't the stars they looked at it was the dark spaces between the stars that they used to kind of mm-hmm. make constellations which i think is a fascinating yeah. way to look at things and like that's basically what we do with those deep field images those images that just like it's just galaxies and galaxies and galaxies they just point the telescope at it, what looks like an empty part of space for like if it's for jwst it's like six hours for hubble it's like six days mm-hmm. but like they'll just point at an empty spot of space and be like okay let's look at what we can find and like i think just like there's it, it it it's there's some sort of connection there yeah. between like knowing that there is something there instinctively even if it doesn't look like it, it doesn't look like there's anything there and I just think that's really cool no that is that's that's really fascinating 
and you know you brought up Pacific Islanders and the Inca and and something I did love about this book is the understanding you know our sort of mythological understanding of space as people who were brought up in America and I'm sure this is true for a lot of um, the West is that it's so grounded in a specific perspective Mm -hmm. right Um, like their Greek and Greco-Roman sort of approach to constellations and so on and so forth but we know obviously as kids of immigrants of how important the night sky was to our culture and our religion and so getting to see that approach of seeing how it was approached by various cultures all over the world um why is that something that you wanted to do I think for a few reasons I think it's because the night sky belongs to all of us it doesn't belong to the Greeks and Romans like it, it just because we use their terminology and we use mostly their constellations because that's what's been scientific like we don't use those names because it's what we've always used the IAU or the International Astronomical Union um defined basically divided the sky into constellations in order to be able to reference them for science like you need to be able to say where an object is so you can say it's in this constellation they use mostly greek and roman constellation names so that's like that's why it's there and i understand that but it's also that's not the night sky right the constant the constellations the iau is not like the definite iau definition is not the night sky it belongs to all of us and i think but i'm i'm hoping by by talking about you know different cultures and how different religions view it people can see them see themselves included understand this is for them and like you and me we both we talk about this all the time we know that how just dejecting it can feel to feel like you're invisible Mm -hmm. and like maybe this book makes somebody feel seen no that's wonderful i mean i think we could talk about it for a very long time but I also want people to pick it up and experience it and get to like sort of have the experience I did which was like picking it up and I I knew what it was about obviously because we've been talking about it but I don't know I that also I was... say it's really small like it is 12,000 words it's like short. I, 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 it's short I tried to make it very easy to read so like it's not like this daunting huge it's really huge. not and and it's something that is Like, I was surprised by sort of how emotional it made me because I wasn't anticipating this, like, sweet little book to have so much, and and I don't mean this in a negative, but, like, to have so much depth to it. Like, you pack so much into it in a way that isn't dense and and feels very natural. Um, Is there anything else you want to touch on I think just that I'm really glad you did have an emotional reaction to it because like part of the reason I wanted to thread that needle is because my relationship with the stars personally is emotional it's all like it's very emotional it's very personal it is very like it's very it's very emotional and so like that's okay like I think part of it is people feel like with science you have to be Like, of course, when you're doing science, you have to be objective. And of course, that's very important. But like, you can love it, too. Like, you can have an emotional connection with this stuff. And that's like, that's kind of a needle I wanted to thread. And I think I did it. I think you did it. And other people have said, too. So like, I just (laughs) hope, like, even it's not. And I will say one thing I will say, it is not for kids, but kids can absolutely read Mm -hmm. it. Uh, so that the book is called Stargazing. It comes out August 8th. It yes. is available wherever you purchase your books. 
Um, and you should pick it up. We'll have a link in the show notes for it. Yay. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about some let's talk about some upcoming stuff you have going on. Yeah. <laughs> You've got some stuff. So uh very exciting. Today, actually, the first issue of uh, a gambit and rogue story i got to write for marvel unlimited dropped on the marvel unlimited app it's for their love unlimited series because months ago they were like do you have any ideas for something and i was like if you want to let me write a gambit and rogue romance that is centered around a heist i would be very excited yes Great one-line pitch. Right. And so the first issue dropped today. Uh, the art is by Carola Borelli with colors by Carlos Lopez. And it's lettered by uh, VC's Ariana Maher. And it's so beautiful. Like, one of the things is I was like, they have to be hot. Like, Gambit and Rogue are like... Oh, they have to be hot. Like, I've shipped them since before I knew what shipping was. They were like... I can remember being like 18 and just reading online just like histories of them of like what is the detailed soapy romantic history between Gambit and Rogue but what I wanted to do in this was just have a little bit of fun with them and show them in like the midst of why they get along so well and why they work which is that they're both kind of troublemakers (laughs) and so it's just really it's it's beautiful it's I hope people like it I'm a very nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the second Spider-Man book, Spider-Man's Bad Connection, comes out September 5th, which is like a month away. We're doing a launch. It's my first in-person launch Yay! for any book that I've written. I did one for an anthology in like 2018, but any of my books that I've written, this is my first one. It's at Brave and Kind in uh, the Atlanta area if you are around please come by September 5th. I think it's 6.30. We'll also link that. And if you pre-order it from them, I will send you a signed copy. Um, Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All of this is weird. weird. Yep. (laughs) Um, And I wanted to shout out our friend, Eric Smith, has a book coming out on um, November 7th. It's called With or Without You. And it's about cheesesteak, I believe, cheesesteak food truck rivals. It's, It's food truck rivals. The stakes are high. Like, the stakes are high. <laughs> um, very Philadelphia. Um, it's. And I just wanted to shout that out. Uh, his. Uh, it's. It's his publisher sh- shuttered unexpectedly, and it's. I. I. I've. i like Eric. I've always been a fan of Eric's work, but I feel like he has really hit his stride with his editor at this publisher because his books were just getting better like don't read the comments and then you got to go your own way they're both they're just getting better and better Mm -hmm. and so this one's going to be i know i haven't read it yet but like it's going to be amazing and i am just really sad for him that this has happened so just wanted to shout that out if you feel like pre-ordering um and again we will have links to everything in the show notes um, all right, what are we doing? I think we just both sort of mentioned what we're yes. doing, but in addition to that, so Gambit and Rogue, number one, please go look at it. Um, also, what's fun about this this world and this life is you are constantly like, I'm working on something really cool and I can't tell you about it. Uh, but hopefully, I really do hope there's one thing in particular that I worked on last summer that is potentially coming to fruition at some point soon that I will be able to tell you. But it's just a lot of like, I got secrets and I'm a terrible secret keeper. Yes. 
What are you working on? <laughs> um, one of my new things is I'll be occasionally over at Science Friday, which is an NPR show, which airs on Fridays usually um, on your local NPR station, or you can catch it um, as a podcast, I think. Um, anyway, I, I've been doing the news. I did the news roundup this past week, and that's a new thing, and I'm very excited. Um, hopefully can do it again soon. Um, I also wrote a feature for the Planetary Society's magazine on OSIRIS-REx, which is a sample return mission. <laughs> that will be bringing us asteroid samples Ooh. um in september and so i'm very excited about that uh all right what are we into obviously as we mentioned no no work from struck companies but uh i read a book a couple months ago called cassiel's servant by jacqueline carey and it came out this week actually uh it is the first book of the Cushiel's Dart series, which I am obsessed with. I have read it like I cannot even tell you how many times, but it is from the perspective of the male love interest. And I don't often go for like, like I love a POV shift, but sometimes you're like, this is just the same story. No, this is so good. This is so good. Oh, it good. made me love Jocelyn more than I already do. Like I couldn't, at a certain point, I like couldn't put it down. Oh, It's so it's just I love that world and I love getting to see Jocelyn's perspective like inside his head of what he thinks of Phaedra so like if you haven't read the Cushiel's Dart series read that first if you have and we're on the fence about picking up Cassiel's Servant highly highly recommend um and then in addition to Tears of the Kingdom I am once I turn in the last two things I've to turn in the summer I am 100% gonna get Final Fantasy 16 I have been dying to pick it up but i yeah, have i'm to, really excited about it right. That's on the, i still haven't done jedi survivor either Ooh, jedi I, mean, I, I did play that back in april and it was it was really fun the story was so good the only thing is i think spider-man comes out in like september yeah. so i have to think of timing like i'm no, like, do like I do it's so hard i think i'm gonna do spider-man first actually ah i know well because like i'm on in my what are we doing to i'm about to talk about well, go oh ahead, my. go ahead, go ahead. Um, so, of course, I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom, but uh, Starfield comes out in September. And I think I'm going to be reviewing it for NPR. Um, so at some point, I'm going to have to put Tears of the Kingdom. So Starfield is, if you haven't heard of it, it's basically they're talking about it as like Mass Effect meets Star Trek, which are like my two favorite things. Yeah, it's an Xbox game, which is probably what you might not have heard of it. But <laughs> yeah, super excited for this game. Um. I'm also reading Murder at Haven's Rock by Kelly Armstrong. She wrote the Rockton series, which is this, like, <coughs> series about these, like, witness protection people who go and, found, like, live at this, like, at this, like, secret village in the Yukon away from everybody. Anyway, it's really good. It's really addicting. Um, I'll put a link to the first book in the show notes, but I'm watching, I'm reading that one, and it's really, really good. Um... All right. Well, we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C for nerds of color. Our Patreon subscribers. Thank you to Meredith, Amber, Brandy, Brian, Chris, Priya, Ruth, Not Family, Annie, Desiree, Jason, Jordan, Kavitha, Mike, Nina, Rita, and Roni. You can find us on patreon.com. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash they say eat girls and Patreon rewards have all gone out. They have. You should so have you, all gotten your Patreon rewards. So if you so didn't, if you haven't, let us know. 
Um, in the meantime, you can find us on social in various places. Um, Daisy Geek Girls on Twitter and Mastodon. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, everything's a bit of a mess. So yeah. I think. I think we're on Mastodon, but I don't think the like API works. Oh, anymore, yeah, the API is yeah. broken. Uh, well, so. you can follow. I am at Run with Skizzers on basically everything, including now Blue Sky along with Swapna. Um, yes. I'm at S. Krishna on everywhere, pretty much. S. Krishna Wandering Shop on Mastodon, at Swapna underscore Krishna on TikTok, and I'm now regularly doing YouTube videos when I don't have COVID. Um, and that's, uh, my YouTube channel is at, it's like, at, at Astra Space is, um, or you can just probably search for my name and find it. Yeah, and again, links everywhere. Uh, but until next time. Until next time. We'll see you in hell. <laughs>